All right, so I think one of the biggest challenges that we have as, uh, as leaders in our house, as uh, leaders on our job sites, uh, just in our community, in our neighborhood, is um, that we have to be relevant, right? So we, we have to talk about things that, uh, that are current, that make a difference, that um, maybe uh, are hard to talk about, or in my case, um, I would say things that I kind of struggle with. So those are the things that I generally like to talk about because it helps, uh, helps work things out in me. But it also, I think, it, it translates into something that you can talk to, to Neil about or to Chelsea about or to Lexi about. You know, I, I think we have to have the same message for you adults as we do with the next ones that are coming in because we don't want to lose them, right? So um, in saying that, we're going to pray real quick for our offering. Uh, and we're going to take that. And then I've got a couple of things I'm going to say. And then we're going to see a video. Um, I'm starting to get really techno. <laughs> my wife's like, yeah, right. No, actually, my daughter is. You know, so she helps me. So let's pray real quick. Father, we just thank you. We thank you for a great day. We thank you for uh, just your grace, your mercy, Lord. Just ask that uh, we already know your Holy Spirit's here. But we just pray that you would just guide me. Uh, give me the words to say. Uh, Lord, I just pray that. The things that you've put on my heart are things that are relevant to the people here. Um, We also ask that just like uh, the fish and the loaves of bread, Lord, that you just multiply this offering, that you give us the wisdom on where to spend it and how to spend it, Lord, that we're able to help out families in our community as well as uh, any other mission field that we're led to give to. Lord, we just thank you. We know that your uh, word says that you love a cheerful giver, and we just thank you for that. In your precious son's name, amen. All right. So as these guys are uh, collecting, um, I want to tell you something that's been said to me numerous times. And I think it's really interesting when, when uh, I hear like parts of scriptures that are made kind of worldly. And this is one of those, you know. As I was growing up, I always heard that uh, money is said to be the root of all evil. So, you know, and as a kid, you know, I heard that. And then as I got older, I heard it more and more. And up until I got saved, that's what I thought. You know, I thought money is the root of all evil. And I've seen what it does to people. And, you know, and and I was on that path, the same one that J.D. just talked about. So um, we're going to play a video right now. And then um, I'm going to step out of the way, though. Move that down. Okay. Go and send me on my way. 
Okay. Thank you, Chelsea. Okay, so, so money is said to be the root of all evil. So then I got saved. And that's kind of my thoughts on money, was just that, you know. Then I got saved and I was flipping through the New Testament. I came across the scripture. And uh, it changed my whole thought process on money. And if you have your Bibles, uh, go to 1 Timothy 6.10. And I'm going to read it to you. It says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered away from the, the faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. So it's not the money. It's the love of the money. You know, and people have wandered away from the faith. They've taken that wide path, and it's caused them many sorrows. And, you know, I like to, I like to hunt. You know, I like to, like to do things like that. And what really transformed it for me was the thought of, uh, you know, the, the saying that, you know, guns kill people. You know, because that's one right that, you know, I, I don't ever want to have taken away as my right to have a firearm. But guns don't kill people. It's people that kill people. It's people that make the decision to pull the trigger that kills people. So money is just a tool. Just like a gun is a tool. You know, for me, I'm a stonemason, so my hammer is my tool. Or a saw is my tool. But they're still tools. In the Christian world, I think money is one of the biggest tools that we can, we can use. But here's the thing. It can either bleed life into a situation or it can suck the life right out of a situation. So either life or death. And it all pivots on our attitudes, on how we perceive money. Um, so just like J.D., I have a story that's similar. Um, mine, though, isn't a six-figure income. It was uh, right when I got out of high school. You know, I, I worked at a motorcycle shop and that's where I met my wife. She was riding some big Harley. That's not true. However, it's funny to think of my wife on a Harley, isn't it? So, anyways, but I was working at a motorcycle shop, and I was a manager, you know, and I was 18, and, um, you know, I was making, you know, over $30,000 a year, and that's a lot of money when you're 18. I mean, you know, I raced motorcycles, so I was buying motorcycles, you know, and, and then I was just having fun. I was spending everything that I made. Ask my dad. My dad will tell you. So, any, <laughs> see? So, uh, but here's the thing, you know, and then after I took some, some college courses, you know, and I decided, well, I need to do something. So I decided I was going to join the Army because I wanted to fly helicopters. So I had to go through all this testing, you know, make sure that I qualified, and I did qualify. So I went in a delayed entry program. And uh, my, my leave date, my jump-off date was like in October. So I quit in like August. And I saved up enough money, at least I thought. Then I ran out of money. And I always had this attitude, you know, where money really wasn't that important when I had it, right? So I was kind of oblivious to it. And then when I didn't have it, all of a sudden it got really, really, really important to me. I mean, so important that I was a slave to it. And that was just when I was dating Kristen. We weren't married, engaged, or anything, you know. But we couldn't do anything unless I had money. And it really, uh, it really took something like that to happen for me to realize how important it was. But the whole slave thing is the thing that really kind of 
picks at my heart, you know, because even to this day, 21 years later, you know, about 22, I guess, I still feel at times that I'm a slave to money, that I worry constantly about money, that it does have control over me to some sort of degree, and that I have to somehow master that. So that's how, you know, the Holy Spirit's been really working in me. Um, you know, I made a note here. It's kind of like Paul on the road to Damascus, you know. And, you know, he's blinded, right? But eventually the scales fall off his eyes and he can see Jesus Christ for who he is, you know, the Savior of the world. And all the while he'd been persecuting everybody else. But now he can see. And that's how, that's how you know, it, it kind of has worked with me. My dad used to always tell me to keep it simple, stupid. Now, I didn't always know if he was talking directly to me, like, Hey, stupid, keep it simple. Or if he actually meant, but I don't think he was calling me stupid, mostly. Maybe every once in a while. But I think that's what God is impressing on me. I think the Bible is a simple thing. I think men make it really, really uh, difficult. Uh, You can make it deep. Um, But it can be, it's it's so literal, it's so simple. That that's the beauty of it, I think. Um, the Bible as a whole, though, is it, you know really talks a lot about money. Uh, it mentions money uh, seven hundred times. The Bible as a whole mentions it. It's the biggest thing that's talked about in the Bible is money. I mean, that's amazing. Jesus, two thirds of his parables, he spoke about money. So where's your heart with money? You know, I think the fact that Jesus took two-thirds of the parables that he spoke about, he knew what our heart condition was towards money. Towards whether we're pursuing money, whether we're relying on money, uh, whether we're careless with our money. Um, and that's where I think God really started speaking to me. It's, it's not so much... Um, the money itself, it's how we make it. It's how we use it. You know, whether we're spending it, whether we're saving it, what we're investing our money into. Um, and I think that's how we change the landscape of our whole world. And all you have to do is look at uh, Christian history to see that. You know, I think it's really interesting um, if you look before Christ came. Before Christ came... You know, it was an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, you know. Think of just Rome, Rome in general. You know, all the citizens, they were trained to take care of themselves. That they were trying to get the buck any way they could. Um, They had leper colonies, you know. If you were poor, they didn't care. I mean, there was no charity, there was no compassion towards people that were below them. So then Jesus came, and and what did he do? He started showing compassion for the poor, the widow, the orphan, the disabled, and the sick. And he started teaching people about these things. And the landscape was starting to change. And suddenly, you know, the church kind of started. You know, and people were starting to pool their money together. And they were taking care of the widow, the orphan, the sick, the disabled. They were taking care of all of those people. All the poor people. And get this, the secular leaders, the pagan leaders, they actually saw the benefit to it. 
And they would comment all through history from that point on about, boy, maybe we should follow what the Christians are actually doing. Not that they believed what the Christians believed in, but they saw the benefit of doing what they were doing. Um, And isn't that what really Christ wants us to do? He wants us to help our own out, but also help others. Others that don't necessarily believe what we believe. I mean, you guys were down at the the One by Youth yesterday. You know, you got to see a lot of different faiths right there. You know, if us as Christians don't go out and do things and spend our money in charitable ways, how will they ever know the love that we have for a Savior that they don't have? I think I think those are really really big things, um, and it's reinforced. It's reinforced uh, in James two, uh, verse fourteen. It says, "Dear brothers and sisters, what's the use of saying you have faith if you don't prove it by your actions?" That kind of faith can't save anyone. You know, if you're not willing to to do something to be proactive with God in mind, with what His heart is about. And making your heart what his heart's about, then it's just like that. You just you just can't save anyone. So I started going through and I started looking at all the different charities that that have been founded by Christians. You know, and, and there's some really cool ones. The YMCA, right? Young Men's Christian Association. Our Daily Bread Food Banks. I think that's really cool. Most of the food banks have been started by Christian organizations. Uh, Providence House, Covenant House, World Vision International. Uh, Food for the Hungry, Compassion International. That's just to name a few of them. Those are kind of the the ones that really jump out. Well, how about this one? This is the most popular one, and it's the Salvation Army. And that list that goes on and on and on, but how how about just think about this. The Salvation Army, you know, when they're ringing their bell in front of Walmart or Target, whoever lets them. You know, is there any... Is there really anything that says, hey, this is a, a Christian deal? You know, I see some of them, they got their little tags that say, Merry Xmas, you know. So the whole Christ thing's out of there, you know. Those things kind of irritate me. But, you know, I mean, really, how is that, that charity founded? And what were the principles behind that charity? I think the world squishes that down so low. And then Christians that are involved in those charities, you know, they kind of just get sort of hardened to it. You know, it becomes thicker skin. And then you actually, I don't even think you realize you're doing it. You're not giving the glory to God on how it was founded because you are doing a good thing. You know, you're collecting to, to help other people. And I think that's kind of how the devil does it. You know, he just kind of, he works in slow and sure and then it just builds up and builds up. And as he's building it up, then Christianity is going down and it's being covered. And it's not from a lack of good people. It's from a lack of acknowledgement. I put a note here. It says, um, sometimes we lose sight of who it was started for, why it was started, but also we forget to remind whom and why. You know, so that's really where... God really grabbed a hold of me and he said, uh, will you do this in such a way? Will you look at your finances in such a way that I'll not be tempta- 
tempted, you know, by money. I think it's more of an, an allure or a, a safety net, you know, because I know how to make it. You know, I know how to keep it. But it's really easy for me to do it completely unhealthy. I can tell you this, though, that it's really impossible. Like J.D. said, you know, money starts up here and then finally gets saved and then it moves down to here. Hey, I can say something like J.D. said, that better be Jesus calling. You hear? Some of these phones are Anyways, um, it's the same thing, though. That, that whole money and God thing, it definitely switched. When I got saved, it moved. And it's hard for me to figure out exactly what I'm supposed to do. You know, am I supposed to be aggressive and drive my competition into the ground? I don't think that's the way. But I also, I can't be, you know, so passive that I get drove into the ground. Because then how can I advance his kingdom with my generosity if I don't have anything to give? Right? So for me, that's like the, that's the enigma, you know, is trying to figure that out. Um. You know, Jesus preached so much about money, he had to know our hearts. And he knows that we easily lose sight of them. You know, how many people do you know that have made a lot of money? And over a period of time, you know, you know, their fun level is the same, but it's just applied to different things. You know, I had a buddy of mine that bought a Hummer, you know, after he made his first 500, 600 grand in a year. You know, next year he bought a BMW. Next year he had that SL 500 Mercedes, you know. And every time he'd buy something, it was to fill the fun meter. But he just kept buying things because it changed. You know, for me, a fun thing is taking my boys out and going to shoot a bow or take my wife to go grab a smoothie. You know, my fun meter is way different than his fun meter. But it's still the same fun meter. If I only have 10 bucks in my pocket and I know it's going to cost me $12 to go get a couple smoothies and I go get it, what's the difference if I'm buying a million-dollar house but I've only got $500,000 to spend? You know, the fun meter is still there. I'm, you know, I'm still short in one way or the other. So I think when we're plugging things in like that, that's when we lose it. That's when, you know, we have to be aware of God's heart. And Jesus tells us what we need to do. I was at the shop of the shop this other day. And this is where I really knew that I kind of had an had an issue. I saw a milk jug, you know, sitting on the counter. And they had this guy's face on it, you know, somebody that had passed away. And they were going to build a pavilion in this guy's name. So they're asking for donations, you know. So I picked it up and I read it, you know. And I thought, hmm. And I just set it down. And then I didn't, you know, I decided not to give. Just like shooting a gun. You know, when I point to aim at something, I intend to kill whatever I'm shooting at. Same thing with that. I elected not to give. I set it down. And then over the last, you know, four or five weeks, you know, that same milk jug keeps popping up. And I'm like, why didn't I give? You know, was it because uh, every dollar counts right now? If it did, then the money that I used to have must not have been as important. Right? But that can't be can't be be accurate, right? Or is it because uh, you know I said this before that I'm hardened by charities that are constantly soliciting me on my phone for money? You know, the craziest one I just had was 
uh, it was for a fraternal police organization. They wanted to sell me yellow trash bags. Now, I can't get my kids to fill the white ones. <laughs> Is the color going to matter? <laughs> I don't think so, right? So, <laughs> so... So, but the good thing about that, though, is I got the word of God to, to fall back on. You know, what does God tell me? And this, is what, this is what he tells me. He says that he loves a cheerful giver, right? But he measures our hearts through what he calls treasures that we store up, right? So, you guys got your Bibles? Turn to Matthew six nineteen through 21, and I'll read it. And it says this, it says, uh, Jesus says this. Don't store up treasures here on earth. You know, things. Maybe trips. Whatever. Where they can be eaten by moth and get rusty. And where thieves can break in and steal. He says, instead, store your treasures in heaven. Where they'll never become moth-eaten or rusty. And where they, they will be safe from the thieves. Wherever your treasures is, there your heart and your thoughts will also be. So relationships, Right? I mean, my love for my wife and my kids, I just can't replace that. But my love for God and, and Christ is deepening every day and expanding. And what I thought was really deep, the relationship that I have with them is deeper and just continues. You know, I think it's funny that my family, it's the same thing. It keeps getting deeper. It's just at a, at a different rate than with God. But he doesn't want you to be materialistic, you know. It's the, it's again, it's the it's the what you're going to do with it, how you're going to make your money, what you're going to do with it, where you're going to put it, how you're going to spend it. When I was a boy, <laughs> Dad, you're in this a lot today. <laughs> when I was a boy, you know, my dad would uh, clean up our plates after we uh, after we ate. So if there was anything left over, my dad would chow on, you know. And one day I said, Dad, how come you always do that? He says, he goes, Chris, you never know when you're going to eat your last meal. Uh, wow, you know, that's pretty good, you know. I thought, yeah, you know, I guess not. You know, I, you know I, I'm a kid, so that's not, for me, it wasn't very deep, you know. I'm like, all right, can we go play ball? So, but now, you know, I think about it, and I'm the same way with money, though. I mean, I, I have to have it, you know. I have to own it. I treat it like it's my last meal, right? Unlike my dad, though, I just don't eat it. <laughs> but I don't spend it either. I just hoard it. You know, I, you know, I just hold it as much as I can, you know. So when things do come up and Kristen needs extra money, you know, I mean, it's like lifeblood I'm giving out, you know. How much more can you ask for? You know, but it's, that's what I'm saying in my head. I don't say it to you, though, honey. It's tell right now. <laughs> but we're a safe distance away. So I think. She's pretty fast, so she looks, she's sneaky. She's sneaky. So anyway, so, so, and you know, and then it brings you right back to like the talents of gold, you know, that Jesus spoke about, the, one of his, uh, his money parables. How two out of the three servants, you know, the, the master gave them money, these chunks of gold. Two out of three invested it, made more money, so when the master came back, he was thrilled, you know. 
double, triple their money, you know. Then they went to the third one, and the third one was so worried that he dug a hole, stuck it in the ground, covered it up, saw the master coming, grabbed the money, take it back to him, here it is, just as you left it. And what does the master call him? He calls him wicked. You know, so, you know, I love parables because you can read into it, you know. It's literal, but it's also something you can read into. So substitute that for your faith. You know, you're saved. But do you dig a hole and throw your faith in a, in a big hole, cover it up? Jesus comes, you undig it and say, dude, let me in. He's like, I don't think so. You know, that's not what it's about. Money's the same way. You know, the fact that, you know, I do, I want to hide it. I don't want to be generous sometimes because I'm afraid of what's going to happen instead of knowing that God's going to bless me and multiply it and take care of me. You know, and I think that's a hard thing. I mean, I know working over at Wildwood, you don't got a lot of money. I know, Julian, I know. I've, Carl, Carl's wife lived with us for three years, three of the longest years of my life. <laughs> but, you know, Carl never had any money to do anything with that girl, you know. So I understand, you know. I mean, it's, it's tough. It's tough. And, and I think these times are uncertain. But how about this? They're worldly uncertain. But they're not godly uncertain. Right? I mean, he knows. He knows what's going on. I got a feeling that I am not surprising him with this message. You know, thank God. You know, and after all, generosity is the fruit of the Spirit, you know. Pat and I were just talking about Galatians 5.22, Mom, when you, were, you want to speak. You know, and that's really, when you, when you couple all that together, you know, we're going to read 22 and 23. So Galatians 5.22 and 23, it says, But when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, He will produce. So it's, He's going to make something, right? This kind of fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, uh, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And I love this part right here. Here there is no conflict with the law. Right? So he's going to make us generous through all of those things that he, that he has in us. And people are going to see that by the fruit that's in our life, by the joy that you have on a football field. You know? Even though you're a coach, so I know you're screaming. But still, you know, it is a joy, though. It really is. I mean, I know, because I, mean, I coach my kids' teams, and it drives me crazy. However, there are those moments where it's like, oh, you know, the right play happens, somebody does the right read, whatever. And when they don't, well, it's hard to see past it. But, okay. So anyway, so, uh, but all those things add up to generosity, both in time and in money. And it's both things. You know, sometimes you're not going to be able to give financially, but you can always give with your time, right? And conversely, sometimes you won't have the time, because I've been in that position where I do not have time to do that, but I know that I'm supposed to give to this. So that's my part of the machine. I'll be the wheel, or I'll be the belt, or I'll be the, usually I'm not the control board, but sometimes I am, you know. But I'm just part of that, just like we're, you know, the body of Christ. Somebody's got to be the little finger. I don't want to be the big toe, but sometimes you've got to be that. So there's the challenge right there. If we as an individual or as a group operate in fear, 
of the well drying up. How can we be effective? You know? And that's my challenge for me. You know, not operating in fear. You know, I have a note here. It says that uh, someone had to start the Salvation Army. Just like somebody had to give to the Salvation Army. You got to have both, though, right? So somebody in this room might have that calling on their life. You know, where you're supposed to start a charitable company or whatever it is, a cause. You know, God uses everybody to further his kingdom. Doesn't matter if you're a believer or not, he's going to use it. You know, because he says in his word that he makes all things good. All things. Not, I mean, that all is, I mean, it's encompassing, right? So that's my point. If your heart isn't making money for your own personal gain, then you have a problem. But it's not with me. We've got to understand that it's with God. It has nothing to do with what Pat or I or anybody else thinks. Your problem is with God. So, you know, I, I, was, I was reading another uh, study. Um, I like to read. And I like to look at, like, different, different statistics, you know, and different breakdowns. And one, one of them I really thought was cool. And I saw it repeated, like, four or five times. It talked about regular church attendees. You guys are the most giving people in the world. Isn't that amazing? I mean, something happened somewhere. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, like the, uh, the Haiti earthquake. Who are the first ones there? I mean, Christians immobilize. It's like an army, you know. They go down and they take care of business. You know, they don't, they don't first start trying to figure out how they're going to pay. They put the word out and churches donate. I mean, that's what they do. I think that's amazing, you know. I think that um, that's something that we can be proud of. And God calls us to do. So we have to look for those opportunities and take advantage of them. And know that, you know, with risk, there's reward. You know, I mean, where I'm at financially, where I was four years ago is way different. But it's funny, my attitude, though, is still the same. With risk, there's reward. So I'll take a risk to see if I can make it work. Maybe that's the business thing in me. I don't know. But I'll do that in whatever I put my hands on. You know, it's just not, it's just not money. So I, I would be willing to say that if Jesus Christ never walked this earth, that we would not have the compassion in the world that we have now. And it's because of guys like you, girls like you, that are willing to do something. So I'm going to uh, close with this scripture. Before I read the scripture, though, we're going to see one more video. And um, this video is going to be different from the other one. You know, the other one showed really kind of the, the effects of money mostly in a, in a negative, negative role. Well, this one's going to show one in a positive role. It's going to show current people. Um, a lot of them you'll know I had to use like actors and sports figures and that sort of thing so you guys could see them. But they're all... 
effect in their community. And you're also going to see some, really, some other really cool things of Christians mobilized to help. Um, so in closing, we're going to close with uh, this scripture. And it's 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8, 2 through 5. And this really speaks to me because, I mean, things, things are sometimes tough, you know. It says, though they have been going through much trouble and hard times. So Paul's talking about a church. And he's using this church as an example to follow. And I think the best part about this is it's relevant. You know, if you guys aren't in the Word of God and you don't realize how relevant this is, you guys are missing out. I think when people look at that and say, oh, you know, it's 2,000, 10,000 years old, that it's a story. You know, a definition of a story is, right? It's a fairy tale. These aren't stories. I mean, these are events. They're things that took place, right? So when I read these, I can go right back 2,000 years ago or right now, and I can see that it's the same. And it says, though we've been through much trouble and hard times, their wonderful joy and deep poverty have overflowed in rich generosity. I mean, you guys, we live in Michigan. It's one of the, the toughest hit economical states in the country, right? But still, you guys give. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it out of their own free will. Somebody wasn't bending their arm backwards, twisting it, saying, you got to give, right? They begged us again and again for the gracious privilege of sharing in the gifts for the Christians in Jerusalem. Best of all, they went beyond our highest hopes for their first action was to dedicate themselves to the Lord and to us for whatever direction God might give them. You know, it's tough. But isn't that crazy, though, that that scripture 2,000 years ago it was written? And it's relevant right now because we are going through a tough go right now. And I think we're coming out of it. But we still give, and we give generously. And if you're not, you guys really need to just check your heart about that. I mean, I don't want your money. You know, but God could use some of it. How much, I mean, he could. You know? I mean, look at what he did with the greens, with little Selah. You know? Muslim got saved. And her two kids. I mean, isn't that worth a thousand bucks for an adoption? You know? Yeah. So I think that's important. So we're going to pray, and then we're going to show this last video, and then you guys are free to go. Father, we just thank you. We thank you for just the heart that you've given us. That your Holy Spirit that lives and breathes inside of us, Lord that you love us that much that you give us a free will to make our own decisions that we're not surprising you when we make poor ones but we always have something to fall back on Lord and that's your word it's not a, a once saved always saved thing Lord it's that we need to be refreshed and renewed every day by your grace and by your mercy by accepting Christ as our savior each and every day 
And Lord, I know you look at our hearts and you see the treasures that we stored up. And just like my mom said today, you know, she talked about the blood of Christ, the blood of the Lamb and how it washes over you and it cleans you. And that's what I would pray, Lord, that we'd just be cleaned. We'd be cleaned from the inside out. So the only thing that people can see is salt and light. And that's what your word wants us to be, is both salt and light. So, Lord, I just, uh, I just thank you. I thank you for the air that I breathe. And I thank you for my, my family. Thank you for my church family, Lord. I thank you especially, though, that you love me enough to die on a cross for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Surely life wasn't made 